Michelle Lee, the Editor-in-Chief of Allure. And I'm Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director. Before we dive in, we want to warn you that we're going to be talking about some things, including pimples and popping pimples, that might make you squeamish. So if you're enjoying your lunch right now, you might want to come back to us when you're finished, especially if that lunch might be cream of chicken soup. You'll understand later. Okay, today we're here with Dr. Sandra Lee, who is also known by another name. Dr. Lee, can you tell us what that name is? Oh my gosh, okay. It's Dr. Pimple Popper. Do you prefer Dr. Lee or Dr. Pimple Popper? Um, probably Dr. Lee, <laughs> but it doesn't okay, matter. Dr. It Lee. doesn't matter, yes. When did Dr. Lee, did you take on the, the, the Pimple Popper moniker? Well, it kind of happened by accident, really. I mean, I, I think uh, it was like five years ago that I just started an Instagram page because I realized, you know, I wanted to just show people a little window into my world. And and at that time, there was mainly just travel pictures and food pictures and uh, things like that. And I thought, hey, why don't I just show psoriasis or eczema or warts along with all those other pictures? I, I just wanted people to see how interesting dermatology is. And it's obviously a very visual field. So it kind of would, you know, work well on a medium like Instagram or or Facebook sort of thing. And um, it was just early on, I posted a blackhead extraction. Lot, you said it keeps filling up, but it's been a long time since it's been squeezed out. So maybe it won't fill up this time. Let's take a look. It and I noticed that there was an uh, uptick in interest. You know, people were commenting on it. They were saying things that I thought were crazy, like, that's amazing. Like, I could watch this all day. And I was like, what is going on? (laughs) So I did it again, and it happened again. And then from that day forward, I was like, okay, I'm just going to throw another log on every day. And like, let's see what happens. Let's see how big I can grow this bonfire. And now look at where we are. So I feel like it's now everybody in the world (laughs) has seen a, a blackhead extraction or something. And how many followers do you have now? Probably like about 15 million or something across uh, social media. 15 million. The thing I always say and that I see other people commenting too is that it's so satisfying. And there is something weirdly satisfying about seeing gunk come out of people's pores. So I think that there is a draw here. And I didn't even know it myself, honestly, um, because I don't have that inclination. I'm not like what I call a popaholic, naturally. I, when I have patients in the, you know, 10 years before I started doing this, when I have a patient with a big blackhead, I wasn't like, oh, let me get that for you. You know, to say, you have a blackhead, it's okay, nothing to worry about. Um, but it's when I started to post them and when I started to edit the videos that I did get sucked in even myself. Like I would find myself watching the same like little clip over and over again as I was editing it going, wow, that is like really amazing <laughs> to watch. It's like almost hypnotic. It's like it, for some reason, for many people, it actually relaxes them. It makes it helps them decrease their anxiety, their panic. A lot of people watch them as bedtime stories. So they watch the same videos over and over again. And also then there's that element of like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Or even, oh my gosh, this is disgusting. But then they share it with people. You know, like you can't help but want to share that kind of experience, whatever it may be. And that's really why it grew so quickly in the beginning. Is there one video that's far and away the most popular? There are certainly a handful of them that are very popular, and they're usually like the blackheads or the dilated pour of winers. Do you know what a dilated pour of winer is? Because then I'm going to open up a whole new world. No. no. 
they're the giant blackheads. It's like a blackhead. I mean, it's called a dilated, dilated pour of winer. Um, and it's just like a blackhead that is so big that it's kind of really dilated the area. So it's like a, like the one that I think is really remarkable. And it's just a wonderful patient too. It looks like an old school kitchen plug, you know, that you have, like it's on her back, not that big, but like big oh, enough, like back. your fingernail, like, you know, like it kind of, and the thing about them is they come out whole, like when you pull, you know, they just like kind of pop out and just, it's really not like messy. an actual plug yeah like not messy it's just really like kind of like smoothly beautifully like a you know like a piece of art or something <laughs> pops out <laughs> and it just is really satisfying and like amazing I can attest to that I've watched a good amount of these and they are gross for sure but there is something just so satisfying about it. You know what people really want to do though, which I welcome is a lot of times when I remove something, they want to hold it. They want to like touch it. And I think that that's actually really cool because I, I, I kind of encourage that because I feel like it kind of gives you possession or it kind of is a transference of, especially when something has really drove people nuts or if they've been really embarrassed by it, or it's really affected their life in a negative way to kind of hold it later and say like, goodbye, like you're out of here. Like it, it makes them feel, you know, it's like a, a nice little transfer of like power. It's very Marie Kondo. <laughs> it's not giving me joy anymore. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm shedding it from my life. Is it tempting to like investigate your own pores? No. I feel like I should ask, like, do you own a magnifying mirror? I do have a magnifying mirror, um, but it's not, I, I don't use it in that way. And I don't like, you know, I, I do think that magnifying mirrors can be dangerous in general. There's a lot of patients that definitely will come in and start showing me something on their face. And I will say, are you using a magnifying mirror at home? Because you you know, they're obviously showing you something that is so small and minute that they're, you know, looking at themselves too closely, uh, examining their skin too closely with a magnifying mirror. Um, but I, again, I'm not a really a popaholic. So I'm not like a, I say I'm a born again popaholic because I understand it, I get it, but I don't find the need to, um, you know, check out my pores all the time. I definitely am a picker though, like a lot of us and picking kind of comes to a head. That's a bad pun, but it comes to a, you know, during this time during the pandemic, cause it's also related a lot to stress. I think we tend to pick more in general at our skin. And if you have a pimple or you have a bump on yourself, you do feel compelled to kind of like try to get it off in some way. But no, I don't, you don't really take your focus on my skin. Probably I've done it all day, so I don't really think about it so much anymore. I remember a dermatologist years ago, probably over 10 years ago, was talking to some of the editors at Allure about, and it was kind of, I think more and more people were getting magnifying mirrors, which is becoming more of a thing. It wasn't just in hotels, you know, people had them in their own bathrooms. And she said she was seeing this, she called it a, a porexia, you know, yeah. it's almost this like dysmorphic view of people's of your pores, right. you know, and people coming in obsessing over these, you know, tiny pores and saying they're huge and I don't know what to do. Right. I mean, dermatology is very tied into um, psychology and tied into how we feel because our skin is obviously our armor that we wear. We wear and that's how we present ourselves to the world. So a lot of the things, a lot of the reasons, one of the most common reasons that patients come to see us is because they're unhappy with the way that they look, right? The way that they appear in some way. Because um, a lot of the conditions are not necessarily life-threatening. Probably the majority of them are. So there's a lot of psychology tied into it. And there's certainly we see a lot of BDD, body dysmorphic disorder. And what I try to do, and maybe that's part of the 
allure of Dr. Pimple Popper is, you know, I just trying to make people feel better about themselves. Do you ever get grossed out? Uh, yeah, I do. I, but I, I'll tell you, I'm more grossed out by other bodily fluids, <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's uh, definitely other things that are grosser. Um, the only time you really get grossed out is if something gets on you. I have to ask, when you pop a really big blackhead or a really big whitehead, can the stuff that comes out of it actually smell bad? Well, imagine that if you have a cyst or even like a blackhead or something that's been there for a while, it's sort of like, it's just dead skin and oil and debris, right? Imagine if that's a, a, you, dead, dead, wet skin cells. Imagine what that would smell like after it's been there for like 10 years or something, you know? Because if it's been there for 10 years, what would that wet skin cells, what's that going to smell like? That's not going to smell wonderful, but it's not like the worst smell in the world. I will say my one of my staff says that um, she worked at one of those warehouse markets and she said that the smell reminds her of when uh, a whole pallet of cream of chicken soup would be returned that had soured, that had spoiled. So <laughs> I hope no one's eating right now. <laughs> Are you big on telling people to not pop their pimples at home? Yes. Uh, I, I don't, I would never, I, in fact, during this pandemic too, I've had a couple occasions where people have interviewed me and asked me to talk them through popping their own pimple. And I'm like, no, I, I can't do that. Uh, because I can't, I'm not saying that I want to do it myself. I, I just, that I cannot tell people that because I don't want them to go too far or do something that could really create a scar that could be permanent. And um, I feel like the best thing that I can do to educate people is part of what this is all about too. Like just knowing when the most ideal time is to pop a pimple. And and that well, sci is- Scientifically with a pimple, and I guess cysts and other things too, if you just let it go and like never touch it, is it that it'll just eventually come to a head and pop itself? Or is it that it will be reabsorbed into your body? I think a little bit of both can happen. And so, because what's happening really, and I think this is really interesting, is that your body is rec has recognized that there is a foreign object there, a foreign body. And so your body decides, oh my gosh, this is like an enemy. I'm going to attack it. So all these white blood cells and things go over there and try to attack whatever that is and push it out of the skin. So that's what is happening with a pimple. That's why it starts underneath the skin. You feel it. Maybe you don't start seeing it at first and then it gets red and then it gets raised up. And if you left it alone, it becomes like a whitehead or a pustule. It's your body like pushing it out. Now, sometimes it your body absorbs it all before it pushes it all the way out. You know what I mean? So either way it can happen, but sometimes if it absorbs it too, there's still something stuck under there. And, and, and with hormones and the cycle, you know, where we get more zits, like during the time of our, our hormones are at its peak, you know, when you're ovulating, when you have your period, that's usually when they kind of get up and get rubbed up again. All right, Dr. Lee, can we watch a video together? Yes, of course. I want to see your All reactions. Right, we're gonna, okay, we're going to count it down and then watch it together. Okay, three, two, one. Oh. Okay, so on her back, we're seeing a blackhead right now. To me, I would see that and probably think it was a mole. You've never seen what it looks like? Right, it's the size, maybe not of a dime, but it's a a large black circle. Like the size yeah, of a pea than the, or something, you know, like a, yeah. a little 
pea was stuck like was shot at you out of a pea shooter and it stuck <laughs> yeah. stuck under your body. Okay, so this is a massive blackhead. Yeah, see how it's so big that it dilates the um, opening. Is that one pore? Yeah, it, it is. I haven't seen this in a while, actually. Twice. Twice. And it's the biggest it's ever been, huh? It's under there. And did you numb her before? Yes, yes. That was me numbing okay. her. And she, I asked her if she's ever seen it before. And she said, no, I haven't seen it. I'm not a contortionist, she says, because she's like has a Boston accent. So cute. And her daughter brought her in, but her daughter cannot stand looking at this stuff. So she has to look Ooh, away. there's the needle. Yeah, we're just putting a little. But that's a 30-gauge needle. It's very small. You see how I wiggle the skin because I distract her? These are all little techniques that most of us dermatologists use. So is this something where she comes in, you know exactly what it is, and you're like, I'm going to take it out? Or is she this actually like didn't a second- come in for this. She came in for her skin cancer. I was actually doing Mo's surgery on her. And then she said, by the way... I have this thing on my back. I'm like, oh, okay, you're staying. We're doing a little extra credit here. (laughs) So I just numb it, and it helps it to to mess. Like, it helps to thicken the area and helps to loosen it up a little bit, too. Um, Oh, God. Oh, yeah, you can see how it's, like, firm. Sides aren't refreshed. Like, if it's not... Is that just a tweezers? Yeah, this is a little pickup or a little tweezers. Whoa, you're, like, really digging in there. It's like a bullet. feel it, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's so cute though. That's one pore? <laughs> one blackhead, yes. <gasps> Whoa. Oh. It's like a tree trunk. <laughs> Not to get graphic, there's like a childbirth element to it. Like that a single pore, yeah. you know, a tiny pore could become that dilated, that big. It's amazing. Pores are like vaginas. Yeah. See, how did that make you feel? Did that make you feel good? So satisfying. (laughs) I am a comedian, huh? That was the money shot, as you say, you know. Oh, let's do another one. Dr. Lee, thank you so much. It's been fascinating. Thank you. It's really nice to meet you guys. Happy popping. Wow, Jenny, that was incredible. I feel so cleansed. All right, what have we learned? I think we've learned that everyone has gunk in their pores. And that if things get really out of hand, you might need Dr. Lee to step in. I just love hearing her talk about pores because she's seen the craziest stuff and she just takes it all in stride like, don't worry, we'll get it out. Nothing phases her. Exactly. Okay, well, up next, we're going to talk to a dermatologist who's going to talk us through how to take care of our pores before you're at the point of becoming a viral Dr. Pimple Popper video. But first, a quick break. We're back. And our next guest knows all about taking care of pores, making sure they stay healthy and happy and clean of any accumulating gunk. That's right. Hey guys, I am Dr. Shereen Idris, a cosmetic dermatologist in New York City slash Connecticut. Hi, so happy to have you talking about pores. Okay, so the most basic question of all, but we're all curious, what are pores? So pores, by definition, just mean an opening. And so when it comes to our skin, pores are the opening on our skin usually associated with hair follicles. We really have two main types of pores, pores that secrete oils and pores that secrete sweat. And the ones that, you know, basically keep you up at night with your magnifying mirror are the ones that secrete oils. And those tend to be most prominent on the face. So are the ones that secrete sweat are more or less invisible to the naked eye? You know, we have so many of them all over our body. 
and they are more invisible to the naked eye. But once they get blocked, they don't usually create acne. They, they cause like a prickly rash, a heat rash. That's usually what you will see if they become inflamed or blocked. Whereas the oil-producing glands are the ones that usually contribute more to acne-like pictures. And then, um, so there are oil-producing pores and sweat-producing pores. Um, people talk about skin type with like oily skin, dry skin combination. What's the correlation between skin type and pores? I mean, I think if you are somebody who has oily skin, right, your pores are probably going to appear more prominent because you have more oil, there's more things to build up, and you know you have to be a little bit more on top of your skin. But again, that's a very fine line because then people cross that line and start to over-exfoliate and over-cleanse their skin. And then what happens is that they then overproduce more oil and they become even oilier. It's like a bad snowball effect. And so I would say... If you are somebody who runs on the oilier end of the spectrum, really get to know your skin and learn how to take care of your skin because you have to listen to it. You have to see what you need. Maybe one day it's okay, cleanse twice, but don't do it necessarily every day. And kind of, you know, it's a, it's a touch and go situation, but definitely oilier skin um, types usually have more prominent looking pores. So well, when we talk about clogged pores or pores getting clogged, what is actually happening? Is it just oil or is it other gross stuff happening. It's, I mean, it's not gross. It's natural. It's normal. Sorry, natural. Other beautiful, natural wonders. Beautiful, natural excretions. Um, Basically, oil is number one. Our skin sloughs off, you know, cyclically, you know, every couple of weeks. And so dead skin cells can kind of accumulate within the hair follicle as well. That being said, you can also have bacteria building up which is normal. We all have certain types of bacteria in our skin. Some people respond to it more prominently than others. Um, And so that's sort of what you see. If it's an open pore, they turn black because it oxidizes. That material oxidizes and looks black. If it's a more closed off pore, then you're going to see like a whitehead because it's not exposed to the oxygen and it cannot oxidize. And then if there's a lot of inflammation, bacteria causing that immune response, then you're going to have more like inflammatory papules like acne. And so that's sort of what you see if things are building up and not kind of releasing appropriately. And what about genetics? Does that factor into? Genetics, I think, plays a huge factor. You know, so if you have good genes, you know, you really won the lottery in that sense. Um, But it's not just genetics. You can't just say, oh, well, this is how I was born. It's also, you know, lifestyle. You know, do you smoke? Are you somebody who's like drinking a lot? And yeah, that can definitely contribute. Sun exposure. So what determines whether a pore is open and you get a black head or if it's closed and you get a white head? I just think it has to be like, you know, depending on the location, genetics, how your skin is healing that whatever month. And what's also interesting I have noticed is there is a genetic predisposition for people to develop over blackheads. And so I do think it's kind of you and your luck in that sense. Specifically with pores, how would the sun make your pores more enlarged? The sun, listen, the sun is great. God bless the sun. Without it, we wouldn't be here. And yes, we all need a little bit of sun in our life. You know, I'm not saying to go live in a black hole forever. Um, But if you are somebody who is on the extreme end of the spectrum, a sun worshiper, someone who's out and about not really protecting your skin, over time, those UV rays, 
phase will cause damage to the elasticity, the collagen. It will speed up the breakdown process, you know? Um, and you can definitely see it if you have, for example, a set of twins and one who's really managed their skin really well and the other who's been, you know, a beach bum their whole life. By the time they reach their, you know, mid to late 30s, 40s, you'll see the discrepancy even though they have the same genetics in their skin and what they look like. So I would say you really have to be proactive about your skin, about taking care of it. You know, it's like, consider your pores like the abs of working out. You don't do abs one time and expect to have a six pack. Do you think there are misconceptions about the size of our pores and whether they can open and close or shrink? You know, I think there are misconceptions that bother me that people should appear poreless. And I attribute that to filters, Instagram, airbrushing, face tuning, the whole shebang. And I feel particularly bad for the younger generation who sometimes sees that and thinks that, you know, that is the standard that should be met because everybody from the biggest supermodels, you know, that grace the covers of these magazines to like, you know, the person next door has pores. It is impossible not to have them. So I think that is probably the biggest thing that bothers me when it comes to pores. How do I make them disappear or get glass skin, you know? Um, because everybody has them. Just for people who don't know, can you define glass skin? So glass skin is that phenomena which is happening over social media and makeup ads where people literally look like they have, if you can imagine, a malleable piece of glass over your skin reflecting light in the perfect placement, basically. Um, and it looks like a beautiful skin-toned porcelain face that is literally glowing. Um, and so that has to do with a lot of, you know, lighting effects. It has to do with a lot of tricks with makeup. It has to do with a lot of editing. Yep. I've seen a lot of that on Instagram over these last few years. It's like we've gotten to a point where people just don't want to have any pores at all. If we really were poreless, what would happen? We'd be dead. Be dead, be dead, right? Okay. Like it wouldn't be compatible. Like we might as well move to Mars. You know, okay. <laughs> not compatible with life. <laughs> Pretty much. Like you couldn't, you couldn't sweat. Uh, yeah, yeah, you would overheat. Um, you would overheat and go nuts and basically pass out, die. You know, like you need <laughs> to have pores. Um, you need to sweat. Can we make them shrink forever? No, you cannot. You know, you're not going to change the size of your pores once they kind of are where they're at. However, you can fake it. I think the best thing you could do is to minimize how large they get over time by being on top of your skincare routine. Um, because that is probably going to be the best way you're going to be in control over your pores, in control over the size that they're going to get to in their lifetime, you know, and how they appear, you know, in the now. Yeah. When you say um, you can do things to temporarily shrink them, are we talking about cold, like products? What types of things are you talking about? Yeah, I mean... The whole thing about like washing your face with hot water is going to dilate your pores forever. It's not going to dilate your pores forever, but are they going to make them appear slightly more prominent within the first couple of hours afterwards? Yeah. So if you have a big event, maybe do run an ice cube across your face. It will give you that instant tightening effect. Um, but it's not going to be something that's going to make your skin look tighter forever. So that's what I mean by that temporary sort of feedback that your skin has with those measures, you know? An egg white mask is a personal favorite. You know, you look crazy while it's happening. But those two hours afterwards, it's like your skin is glowing. And do you know, though, Dr. Idris, what the science is behind? You know, I know like in a, a facialist chair, you'll often, there'll be the steam at the beginning of the facial and they tell you that's opening your pores and then they'll do like a cold compress at the end to close your pores. What is 
How does the heat or the cold make your pores move? I feel like the heat, what it's really doing is to help kind of break up all that gunk. You know, it's helping to soften the buildup within the pores more so than anything. It's not like your pores are going to open by two millimeters because otherwise after a hot shower, you would look like, you know, I don't even know, like a honeycomb. Um, so basically, I think the heat ultimately is to get that gunk moving and to soften it up so that when they do their extractions and they do what they need to do, it's causing overall less trauma on the skin there. And Dr. Idris, can you explain if, if you if you know what it is, what the, the science is behind, you know, running an ice cube over your face is going to give you that temporarily tighter pore effect. Why does the cold make that happen? flight or fight situation, you know, where basically that cold effect causes a temporary kind of shock, you know, to your system. And those muscles then kind of, you know, tighten up, everything squeezes in, you look a little bit tighter, but it's not something that's going to make you look better over time. And so okay. it's the temperature. It's just kind of, if, you know, when you feel cold, all of a sudden everything kind of perks up, shrinks up, tightens up. Okay. You mentioned extractions. So I feel like I have to ask this. Do you believe in extractions? Like, should people be doing them? Yeah. So extractions, I don't think it's a hard set rule. I would say it really depends on you and your skin type, right? Um, how oily you are, how much you build up, how fast you build up, et cetera. But it's also a matter of preference, what I prefer. Do I actually enjoy it? Do I not enjoy it, et cetera? And if you're somebody who gets joy from going into those extractions, by all means, do it. You know, I find it more stressful than anything that someone's sitting over my face. And I'd rather spend that hour because I have such limited time getting a massage. Yeah. But, you know, if it's well done, it can definitely help, you know. But do you ever recommend or sanction uh, patients doing extractions on themselves? I will never go ahead and give you my blessing to go do it because I think the tale is as old as time and people go batshit crazy on themselves. But obviously people are going to do it, you know, and so I'd rather almost educate you on how to do it more correctly to kind of hold your hand through it. But if you're, you know, when in doubt, just like, don't do it. You know, I'd rather you just, just don't do it. I can't say it more than enough. And would you, um, I've had like, a, if it's like a really angry pimple, that I needed to go away for like an event or something, I've had it injected. Would you ever do something like that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, um, I think steroid injections can really help somebody get through that hump, you know, um, no pun intended. If they have an event coming up, um, it's a great way to act like a Band-Aid of sorts to help somebody just get through uh, something they need to be presentable for. But I have seen patients come in who have been getting steroid injections, you know, on the regular, which is which I do not recommend. Pimples tend to come up in the same spots. And you don't want to be injecting a steroid to the same spot over time. Because I think it can leave like a little divot, like a little crater eventually. Yeah, it can leave a divot. It can leave a crater. You can have enlarged blood vessels on the surface of the skin. Skin discoloration can also happen. So it's just, it's a good temporary kind of band-aid to help you get through it. But it's not a um, long-term treatment or way of life, you know, for the same spot over and over again. What about pore strips? Are pore strips a way of life? Because they're very I gratifying. I know them. there's there's okay there's controversy. I vote ditch really? them. Yeah, they're they're gratifying even for me. Okay, they are gratifying, but you're ultimately stripping off your own normal skin, and so you might think you're doing yourself a service, but over time you're really not because you're just getting rid of skin, getting rid of skin in a very abrasive way. 
Um, and you're also getting rid of just the most superficial part of your pore. Pores are much deeper than what they appear. It's like an iceberg, you know, it's a Titanic. And so if you're just getting rid of the top part, you still have the bottom that you're not really dealing with. So ultimately, you're fooling yourself in thinking that you're actually dealing with the problem. And you're not. It's hard because I feel like people always ask like, oh, what do you use for your skin? And it is so hard because everyone's skin is so, so different. But I am curious of what you personally use. Um, I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of different things like finding the right cleanser, using a chemical exfoliant. Like what, what are your favorite skincare products specifically towards pores? So at the moment, <laughs> I am using Vanna Cream Cleanser. That's just been a staple. So that's actually been a very long-term staple in my, in my cabinet. It's easy. It's cheap. It's lightweight. It's, uh, it doesn't make me feel overstripped. I don't get oily with it. So I love it. Um, Exfoliator-wise, I have been using the L'Oreal, the glycolic acid serum. I like that one. It's a very light acid serum. And it has, the thing I like the most about it is it's playtime. Because you put a little drop and it can cover your, your forehead down to your tits, basically. Um, it, it really, you can spread it really, really far. Um, so I like that one. Biologique Recherche, the, the P50, is a tried and true. Oh, I love the P50. I love the P50, but I'm always nervous it's a little too harsh. How often do you use it? I use it like two times a week. You know what I mean? And when I use it, I do not use a retinol or a retinoid because it will burn your face off. It's very strong. So I use it almost like as a jump starter, especially around that time of the month when I'm a little bit oilier. Sometimes I just want to kind of get something going. I'll use the P50. Um, and then I recently, for the first time, actually tried the Dr. Dennis Gross pads the glycolic ones, those are great. They're great. Can't believe I had never tried it. They're great. I just don't love the environmental aspect of it because there's so much packaging. Um, but I really, I thought they were great. They really worked nicely. All right, Dr. Idris, we have some listener questions for you now. What products should I be using on a regular basis to keep my pores clean? Taking the makeup off, numero uno at night. Number two, I try to avoid wearing as much foundation as need be. You know, like you don't want really heavy caked up makeup all the time. You need to let your skin breathe. And an interesting side bit is like over quarantine, after having seen patients now who have been like at home for this time, a lot of them tell me that their skin looks better than ever because they're not wearing such occlusive, suffocating makeup. So that's number two. So wash, take your makeup off, wash your face, find the cleanser that's right for you. Things that make you feel your, make yourself feel like you're squeaky clean afterwards tend not to be the best cleanser for your skin um, because they're usually harsher pH-wise. So find the right cleanser for you, and it's okay if you don't feel squeaky clean. Um, chemical exfoliants are great. Again, within moderation, two, three times a week, using the right you know, glycolic if you feel that's your right type. If you're extremely oily, then maybe more of a salicylic acid is a good way to go. Um, you know, because they tend to be more, you know, lipophilic, liking the, um, the fat and the oils. So find the right chemical exfoliant for you. And then to also incorporate some kind of retinoid in your skincare routine. You know, a vitamin A derivative, whether it's a retinol, whether it's a retinol ester, whether it's a prescription, something vitamin A related um, to kind of make sure that your skin is regenerating appropriately, but also that you're helping produce more collagen so that your skin is getting a little bit stronger and tighter. And sunscreen, sunscreen in the morning, for sure. Um, all work in conjunction synergistically to help with the appearance of pores in the long term, long term being the keyword. 
Hey, Allure. I am just calling because I have a bit of a breakout coming on and um, it. I want to try and pop one of my pimples. I've never done it before, um, so I'm just wondering if you have any tips or tricks for a first-time pimple popper. Thanks. All right. Again, <laughs> don't. <laughs> but if you're going to do it, and realistically you are going to do it and you're not going to listen to me, then I would say first things first is go take a hot shower. Not scolding hot or scorching hot, but like a, a warm enough shower. Once that pimple feels ripe, and you know what I'm talking about. You know what a ripe pimple looks and feels like. I'm not talking about the one that's really deep, that's still kind of forming. I'm talking, talking about the one that's right at the tip of your skin about to pop. Take a needle, clean it really well with alcohol, clean your skin with alcohol. And after the shower, you can create a small tunnel to allow all of that gunk to come out more seamlessly without you having to manipulate your face and cause extra trauma. And then once it's out, I would still clean your face with an alcohol uh, wipe or something, you know, astringent to make sure that you're getting rid of any bacteria that's there. And I would avoid from further touching it. And then I'd wash your hands. I feel like my pores are more noticeable than my friends. Is that normal or is something going on? Why me? Because only you can be you. Um, you know, no one else can be you. And I actually posted a quote today that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So stop comparing yourself to others. Um, you have what you have and you're going to have to learn how to work with it to be the best version of you and to bring out the best version of your skin. So get to know your skin because you're stuck with it forever, at least as long as you're on this planet in this lifetime. And so learn how to deal with your skin and learn how to listen to it and to know what ingredients work best for your skin. Hi, I'm calling in from California and I have a question about those pimple patches that you see for sale all over the place. Um, what's up with those? How do they work? Do they work? Uh, would love any advice. Thanks so much. They're hydrocolloid patches usually, and those tend to attract water and fluid. So if, for example, you have a cut on your body and you put one of those on the cut, it's going to help to bring out all of that exudate from that cut to help it like heal better. So when you have a pimple, but it has to be a pimple that's coming to a head again, that has like a little bit of an opening, it's going to suck it all out and attract that fluid buildup. So it helps bring it out faster. Um, I love them. I think they're great. Same. Yeah. I mean, they're so satisfying. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Idris. Thank you guys for having me. This was so much fun. Okay, Michelle, it's just us. After everything we've learned today, are you going to pop your own pimples? Yes, unfortunately. I can't help myself sometimes. I know. I think if if, if it's a a whitehead, I think it is impossible. It is it takes a very strong human not to go in there and try to deal with the situation. I am not strong enough. Well, if any of our listeners decide to do that, we hope they'll do it safely and that they don't go overboard. Yes, that is very important. And keep all of your, your hands and tools very, very clean. Very, very clean. And Jenny, there's one last thing to do before we go. Our very own pore product recommendations. What's your favorite product for cleaning out your pores? Um, let me see. Well, I do. Um, and Dr. Idris had mentioned this is a product that she likes too, but a French brand called Biologique Recherche makes a product. It's like a toner called P50. 
Um, and I use that. It smells, I would say, like rotten eggs. And yeah, I've heard some people say it smells like hot garbage. Yeah, hot, hot garbage is another way to put it. Um, so I, but I put that hot garbage on a cotton pad and put it, you know, especially over my T zone, and it really just exfoliates the skin and feels like it's it's tightening up those pores. That is an iconic, iconic product. It is, and now you can get it. I remember writing about it, you know, fifteen years ago as this cult product that was so hard to find. And now it's become, it's definitely in the U.S. become much more, much more available and has a lot of fans. Um, I will maybe like a couple times a year, I'll use a pore strip. Um, Cause I do just like seeing the little, the, the nubby little gunk on the, on the strip, even though Dr. Eders told us that's really just my, my outer nose hairs. And, and then I just try to keep, you know, to use products that build the collagen that is going to keep pores smaller. So I definitely use a retinoid every night. When you get a facial, do you get extractions? I do most of the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't get facials that often, so it's maybe two or three times a year, but I do. Yeah. Same here. Maybe it's a little bit of peer pressure. That I feel like um, when I'm there and they're like, do you want extractions? I feel like I can't say no. Right. And you're Uh, under that bright light. You're lying (laughs) down. You're like, I guess I need them. Yeah. Sometimes I have regrets though during it when it's really painful. I'm like, why did I say yes to this? Right. Especially anything that's like around your lips is so, so painful. Yeah. I love uh, exfoliating. And so I typically will do that, which I think helps to, to kind of clean out some of the gunk in my pores. Um, I love the Peach and Lily resurfacing mask. I'll do that every once in a while. I love the Dr. Dennis Gross peel pads. Um, and I do like doing a, a pore strip every once in a while also. I do love looking at it. And I don't care that they're hairs. There's something just really satisfying about looking at them. Right. I know. You like hold that strip up to the light. My husband comes in the bathroom. He's like, what are you doing? Um, But yeah, I think like you said, exfoliation too, just a regular exfoliation routine is is so key. Yeah. And also, I mean, we talked about it throughout the episode, but also just having a daily routine. Like I feel like cleansing my face every single day um, has really helped just my overall look of my pores. And clarifying masks, I do maybe once a week, I do like a a clay-based um, mask just to kind of dry up a little bit and pull things out of the pores. I don't put it everywhere because my cheeks are more dry, but just on my nose and forehead and chin. Which one do you like? True Botanicals has one that I've been using recently um, that's really nice. Hmm. Like it doesn't get dry. You know, sometimes you get that like cracked flakiness and you feel like your skin is just parched. It doesn't dry to that extent. Yeah. So I oh. like it for that reason. I know, I hate that. Like sometimes I'll leave it on a little too long and it is so dry. <laughs> so dry. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next time on The Science of Beauty when we'll be talking about wrinkles. If we're lucky, we all get them. So let's learn more about what they are and how to love them. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. It helps new listeners find the show. You can find additional information and episode references in the show notes. Follow Allure on Instagram at Allure, and I'm at Hey Michelle Lee, and Jenny is at J by E, B A I L L Y. On our audio team, our lead producer is Carla Green, executive producer is Shara Morris, associate producer is Kate Mishkin, and sound engineer is Scott Somerville. On the Allure team, the editorial leads are Soyini Driscoll and Diana Mazone. 
Lead researcher is Julie Risabudo, and project manager is Monica Perry. The theme music is by Asha Ivanovich. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Neon Hum. Mm-hmm.